0: Esiason, and you're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast, presented by the Boomer Ison Foundation and Gunnerasison.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex. Novartis, Digital Credit Union, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a Cystic Fibrosis podcast, are that of Gunnar Assayas and Tiffany Rich, and guests, and not necessarily those of the Boomer and Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with Cystic Fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar and Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, hey, it's Gunnar and I am back. My voice is finally cooperating. I'm back on the podcast after a couple-week hiatus. It's good to be back. Tiffany, thank you for taking over last week. I really appreciate it.
1: Of course, I'm so happy that you are feeling better and you have a voice. We missed you.
0: Small victories, small victories. But today we are joined by a guest, Rima Manamitis. She is 29 with cystic fibrosis, and you may know her better as Long Story Short on Instagram. Uh, So Rima, thanks for joining the podcast today. How are you?
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing pretty well. Besides, now I have a croaky voice. I've <laughs> taken over your, you know, voice croakiness, but that's all fine. You can still hear me.
0: Yes, we can. Um, thanks for joining us. We are actually, we have you on the podcast today for a few reasons. Uh, You're one of Tiffany's really good friends, um, but it's also FeedTube Awareness Week, which I didn't even know there was a week for that till last year. But here we are we're in the middle of it and uh you are part of the feeding tube club so uh it's always nice to run to another member of our very special club um and uh let's kind of just jump right into it so you were transplanted in 2017 two years ago um you know what was that process like we'll kind of like, talk a little bit about yourself here and then uh we'll jump into some other stuff
2: all right so my transplant process so i originally grew up in boston and i had my first lung transplant evaluation there um, and that was, they started talking about transplant when I was 30% lung function. And I got the evaluation done and they, I was deemed too well. So they just kept seeing me every six months to make sure everything was good and would always ask what my quality of life was. and um, What was your quality so that, of life? Uh, it was good, it was good. Yeah. Um, and then, so I wanted to move to Colorado and the fall before I moved, I got really, really sick. And I was in the hospital a lot. Uh, four times, like four times in like three months, and then um, they started talking about transplant again. They're like, you know, you really need to get listed, find a center, and get listed ASAP. And I, and because they knew I wasn't gonna stay there, they're like, as soon as you move, find a place. Um, so I moved to Colorado, regardless of being really
0: sick and starting uh, on. Uh, we gotta stop there. That's that's <laughs> wild. That you 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 know what? I need a change of scenery. I'm very very sick, and things are looking really bad for me. But you know what? I need more than anything else. A new mm-hmm. state to live in. <laughs> what was behind that?
2: Yeah, exactly. So I just really wanted to move near the mountains. And um, I fell in love with Colorado back in middle school when I first visited. Um, the first time I went, I was like, wow, I'm going to move here one day. And I did. Um, <laughs> well, <let's-
0: laughs> and, and there you are. Because
1: yeah. the elevation, it's high, really high. One, What is it? The mile high. Uh, yeah, mile high city. So yeah. Back
2: Back then when I started visiting, I um, the elevation didn't bother me too much and I wasn't on oxygen back then so I would visit about every summer. My mom's friend from college, she lives in Boulder, uh, we would go visit her and, um, and yeah, so I never was on oxygen and so yeah, that was my decision, I was like, I'm gonna move here one day. Yeah.
0: So all right, so now you're in Colorado but you're still super sick so how, yeah, so-, so what happened from there? <laughs>
2: So it was interesting. So they sat me down before I moved. I was still in the hospital. It was like right before Christmas and my move date was in uh, December and I had to move it because I was so sick. And um, at the time my sister was living in New York and she like would take the train up to come visit me in the hospital. And around that time when I was like gonna be moving, she decided to help me move and drove me out there. And she decided to become my caregiver actually for my whole transplant process. So after I moved to Colorado and was, you know, settling with my CF team and moving insurance stuff and all that was a big headache because moving different centers across halfway across the country is a pain in the butt. Um, Yeah. And then so I saw their transplant team here. And um, so I went in with my brother and they saw me and initially they did say, yes, accept you. And then the very next day they called me and said, oh, just kidding. Never mind. We can't. Um, they, like, didn't realize the, um, how resistant uh, bugs were to all antibiotics. And I'm like, how did you miss that, first of all, like, when I first saw you? And then say yes, and then say no. It was super confusing. Um, so then I was like, crap, uh, I have to look for a different place. And that's where my sister was like, yeah, I'm definitely your caregiver. And she helped me find a different center. Um, we found the U of M in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And so we contacted them and, you know, sent all my medical records over there and then set up an evaluation for that spring. And so drove out there from Colorado. It's like a 13 and a half hour drive. Um, did it in one day because my sister is a beast and she can drive very long distances. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it was always nice driving with her cross country. So we went, uh, did the evaluation. And then two weeks later, they called me and said, yes, we'll take you. Yeah. Um, so at that point, I was like, you know what? This was spring. And I was like, I want my summer to enjoy. I was like, how about we talk about this in the fall and get listed then or something like that. So I was like, okay, sweet. I have the summer. I'm going to do all this fun stuff. That's not how it went. Mm-hmm. I, got, I just continued being very sick quite often. And so I was in the hospital a lot over the summer. And um, my lung function, I think, was like 19 or 18 at that point, and on oxygen, like 24-7. And, of course, the elevation then did not help. Um, so it made everything very difficult. I still tried to do as much as I can. Um, even though I couldn't walk very far, I still, like, drove into the mountains and would get out and, like, mm. hang out on some rocks, look at the views, and do some <coughs> of the stuff, you know, did as much as I could. And then, so, I got sick at the very sick at the end of um, August and then my sister came out and um, we're like, yeah, I need to get listed soon. And I was still in the hospital and we were trying to figure out how we're gonna do this. At first I was gonna do, um, get listed but stay in Colorado so I would do like a med flight when the time came. And then we kept looking into it and it would have been extremely expensive if there was a dry run because with transplants that's very common. and we were just stressing out too much because if it happened, you know, we'd have to pay for it. And then if, we'd have to do it again. And just being on call, like having our bags packed and, you know, waiting for a flight, try to get to Minneapolis as fast as we could. So then we decided, nope, better to move there now. So yeah. another move. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So while I was still in the hospital, my sister started looking up um, places for us to stay, like apartments and we were talking like in contact with the transplant team and my team in Denver, we're talking to them and just sending them all my labs every day and everything. Um, and so we finally found a place temporarily. And um, so they let me out so I could pack. I was well enough to be discharged from the hospital. So we packed and that week uh, we left, we drove to Minneapolis with, you know, what we thought we would need. We were given like maybe three months we'd, you know, I you know get the call within three months of moving there um that was not the case uh so ended up being there eight months total well no sorry eight months till the final call because I had two dry runs in the meantime um the first one was on Halloween and um of course Halloween and uh that one was um an interesting dry run because I actually got put to sleep and they intubated me and then I woke up and of course, I was very like out of it from the drugs and my throat was sore and I wasn't sure what happened, whether I got them or not, what day it was. So I was like, I asked them, like, did I get new lungs? And they're like, no. So obviously I started crying because, you know, I, thought I got new lungs because I got put to sleep. Um, so then they just kept me what, over. What happened
0: night. there? Like, why, why, why was, why was it canceled that late in the process? Right. So, so they check it.
2: They usually check the organs on site wherever the accident is or wherever they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And then the surgeon will look at them again. Um, But I guess they didn't inspect them until, like, I was out or the second inspection while I was there. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looked really inflamed, and it looked like it might have been, like, a starting infection. So they're like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not giving her these lungs. So, I mean, it was a very good decision not to give me those lungs because, you know, it could have caused a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so because of being intubated, it must have stirred something up inside because I started having fevers that week. Mm. And then I went into the ER because the fevers wouldn't go away and they got pretty high. And then, um, so after I got admitted, I was kept for like three months uh, in the hospital because they just wouldn't go away. And they had to put me, put my listing on hold a few times because they won't transplant someone with an active infection like um, right. an ongoing fever mm-hmm. so that was really frustrating because we had to wait like a certain amount of days after like a fever is like under a certain temperature yeah uh, so that happened a bunch and then they finally let me go home it was uh, quite took a lot of coordinating and um, you know moving stuff around to get like my IVs um, covered all the antibiotics because there was a lot and I went home on I don't even know. My schedule was crazy. I like, I like wrote it out in like in my room and then downstairs. And I was, <laughs> on, I was basically on IVs for 10 months straight.
1: Yeah, that's insane.
2: And like oral antibiotics it was at least six antibiotics I was on at all times. Um, yeah, so amazing. my sister and I would take turns doing my, uh, my IVs in the morning throughout the day. And it was just, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that I'd have to go into clinic a lot. And then um, they switched me over to liquid oxygen, which was, the best thing ever, because my little portable oxygen concentrator that I had in Colorado was only went up to three liters and then was like pulse rate. So it's not like a continuous yeah. flow, which was not good for elevation.
1: I'm surprised I didn't get like yeah evaluated for like a higher amount, which. I'm exa- yeah, because mine went up to five, my little portable one went mm-hmm. up to five liters. And I'm surprised they didn't give you that one. Yeah, I don't know what happened with
2: that. I mean, I had, like, home concentrator that, like, uh, went up to, like, six mm-hmm. or eight or something. So, I obviously, like, made that one higher. But right. when I left the house, it was... Mm-hmm. So, it made, like, moving around way more difficult. So, what's liquid oxygen? Yeah, so... I'm not quite sure. So, it comes in this <laughs> giant reservoir that they, like, bring to your house. Right. And it's really cold. So, it oh. like, the little portable thing, my sister would, like put on and it would inject the like, um, liquid oxygen inside. Oh. And all this this like, yeah, her would come out. And it was very cold. So if I said kind of like dry ice. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. There's like a better explanation than what I'm giving, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, but if I stuck it in a backpack because it needed air to like, you know, not freeze, it would freeze yeah. my backpack and then oh. it would become frosty. So I had to like not keep it in my backpack. A lot. Yeah but it was much better because it went up to like six and um okay, so, okay. that to worked to maneuver better in Minneapolis um I would I thought that um my lung function might be a little better or I would be able to breathe a little better once I came from Colorado down to sea level or like lower elevation not exactly yeah. sea level but actually it wasn't it was still yeah.
1: a struggle
0: wow so wow. I guess my lungs
1: were pretty crappy then yeah. so then I remember you got another dry run Yes. So my second dry
2: run was on April Fools. <laughs> <And> <laughs> was a great a, joke. <laughs> exactly. Nice little joke there. Um, we were, it was a nice day. So we were at a park and Lima made like a nice little picnic spread. And I got the call while we were, we were like sitting on the ground, eating our snacks and, um, so yeah, we went to the hospital. I didn't get over excited because I knew <laughs> there was a possibility of a dry run. He'd um, be luck- on that. It, yeah, exactly. It, luckily, it didn't get as far as the last one. So it was like I think seven hours that I was like you know waiting, getting some tests done, and um, so they make you shower with this special disinfecting soap. So I took my first shower, and then when I was gonna take my second one, they stopped me. They're like, actually, it, it was canceled. And I was like. Son of a gun, so it, the reason for that one to be canceled was because they were on life support and um, they were unplugged, and so the thing is, um, the person has to pass within a certain amount of time mm-hmm. after they're unplugged, or, and then if not, then the lungs aren't viable, so they didn't pass in a certain amount of time after they were unplugged. Um, I think because of like oxygen circulation, so the lungs wouldn't have been good. Mm-hmm. So that was the reason for the second dry run.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so then my third and final call came on Mother's Day. So uh, mm-hmm. just a holiday. Oh, yeah, three bro. holidays in a row, huh? Yeah, I got all the holidays. <laughs> um, for transplants, the the amount or I guess the call rate is higher on certain holidays because yeah. there's more people on the road and people are drinking.
1: Yeah, you say July 4th the highest day. Oh, is it? Yep.
2: Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> or like Thanksgiving because it's like the like most people are on the on the roads that day. I think. Yeah, traveling day. Yep, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So my point. So um, sorry, I'm all scattered right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's May fourteenth. Yeah,
2: May fourteenth. Got the call. Um, it was. I don't even know what time. I think it was in the evening. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even asleep then. Yeah, and so we got the call, and I like ran downstairs, or I was like yelling to Lyman to like come up, or I was hitting the wall, so I wasn't yelling in the phone for right. the <laughs> person to hear. Um, and they're like, "Yeah, just come in in a few hours." So of course we were frantically running around the house, like you know, getting things done, cleaning up real quick. Um, I, I don't know if I ate, because I know, like, once you get the call, you still have a good amount of time, and yeah. once that happens, you can't eat for, like, ever. Yeah. And so, packed up some stuff, and then we headed to the hospital, I think, at, like, four or five in the morning, hmm. and got to the ER, or you have to enter through the ER, and then they send you up to your room. And, um, yeah, it was several hours before, um anything started. So I was able to nap first. Well, obviously I couldn't nap. Why well, Lima passed out real quick for like an hour or <laughs> two. But um yeah, and then all the you know, the parade of people came in, the labs, the X rays, all the, you know, EKG, the testing. And I was also trying not to get overly excited in case there was another dry run. Um and then yeah, you know, it kept getting closer and they're like, okay, your OR time is Pushed back by an hour, but you're still going downstairs. And I had Lima French braid my hair so my hair wouldn't turn into like a rat's nest. Yep. Um, and then um, went downstairs to pre-op, and then I got wheeled away and woke up. With the a rest new is mind. history. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it sounds
0: like this was like a hell of a process. You know, I uh there's a lot to go through uh we still have a lot to talk about and one thing that really kind of stuck out to me in your explanation of everything uh was actually in the very beginning of the process where you spoke with your doctor about how you wanted to get through the summer before mm-hmm. being listed for transplant now that like that's kind of an interesting thing you know i think you have some people who are listening you know like why would it why would you do that you're super sick you know why would you put that off but the other time you know i'm kind of sitting here thinking like wow that's actually a doctor actually listened to you and they listened to your needs and they were willing to work with your lifestyle and what you wanted for your quality of life and that's kind of unique you know that doesn't happen for everyone not everyone gets that and that's I think for a few reasons, a some people are afraid to ask, you know, for for considerations or for quality of life considerations in, inside the clinic. But also, I think that people just kind of feel like they need to do whatever the doctor tells them. And you know, I'm not sitting here saying that you should listen to your doctor. No, that's not what I'm saying. What, what I'm really talking about is, you know, I think people are they need to feel empowered and they need to feel able to advocate for themselves in those situations yeah I'm about to have a major life you know changing surgery and you know who knows what's going to happen I want to have this great summer and be able to do my things and obviously you know you got sick here and there but it does sound like you're able to enjoy some of that time you know before transplant with your old lungs
2: yeah yep yeah I'm really happy that they were willing to listen to me and give me the chance because I was like you know what I can try and get my lung function up I'll do you know this and that and there was like a slight improvement by like one percent, but better than going backwards.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. But
2: yeah, that summer is not how I planned it to go. No, um, I'm glad they gave me the chance at least.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's important. Sure. Um, so now here you are. You're you're healthy. Your your lungs are good. You're quote unquote healthy. Have a croaky voice. I get it. I I know that life. <laughs> um. So you know, I now it seems like you know it, for those people who follow you on Instagram and this that thing, you know, you're out there walking around doing all the things in Colorado, hiking, going on these trips. Uh, so it seems like you're living a pretty good life, at least through the lens that is social media. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, but also, it's, I want to know more about the G-tube. So, it is G tube awareness. We, we got to talk about that a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, you yeah. know, was that something that was ha- that happened after the transplant, before the transplant? You've kept it since. Um, I know Tiffany says that when she had her G-tube placed after the transplant, she said it was more painful than the transplant surgery itself. So, um, you know, I kind of want to know where you stand on that. What do you think of the G-tube? What you use it for? How often do you use it? Personally, I freaking love mine. Um, so... Hmm. Well, let's just jump right into that
2: all righty so i did get my g2 place before my transplant um it was back in high school where <laughs> i couldn't gain weight i just started losing weight left and right
0: so you've had it for a long time yeah
2: yeah so it's gonna be 12 years this july i believe wow So in quite a while yeah uh-huh. and so in high school they're like you know what We're going to bring it up. We need to start talking about you should probably think about getting a G tube. And of course, the thought is scary for like a teenage girl or even a guy. Like, no one wants a G tube in their stomach. Like, no, it's weird looking and it's annoying. But I decided it's probably for the best. I need to because I can't gain weight on my own by just eating food. so I got it placed in the summer, and at the same time they did like a Nissen or a Nissen, however you pronounce it, yep. and it's where they like, I guess for me they took a part of my like a my stomach and put a band around the end of my esophagus to tighten it so that
0: no, for no acid um, reflux.
2: Yeah, acid reflux and throwing up because I cough. I used to cough like so hard that I would just like throw up a lot, and that's how I would lose weight because I would throw up mm-hmm. a lot of my meals. Um, so we tried that and it got stretched out over time very quickly actually because my coughing was so aggressive it just stretched it out. And yeah, uh, yeah so there was no point in that I guess. And they also took my gall- gallbladder out at the same time because I had gallstones. So they did a bunch of stuff at the same time as my G-tube since since they were doing something, they might as well do <laughs> Once I'm driving. <laughs> yeah. So um, it wasn't very comfortable obviously cause it's no. in your abdomen. They cut, you know, put a hole right through it. Um, it was all very new. I had like different little laparoscopic incisions all over. Um, so you, you, you wouldn't think, but like sitting in a car, just sitting in a car is painful because yeah. you, your stomach flexes regardless yeah. just sitting in a car yeah. drive.
0: Um, I, remember that. I remember that drive home from the hospital. Um, it's not, was not fun I uh, now, have you had the same brand for 12 years that's crazy have, have you had the same brand of GT for all 12 years like I use the Mickey um, yeah. and I love yeah. the Mickey the Mickey is like whenever I hear about people who don't use the Mickey I'm always like why are you using something else the Mickey is by far the best
2: mm-hmm. yeah so I've had the Mickey basically the whole time besides one year they I think it was when I was here in Colorado they changed it to I forget the brand but it glows in the dark um like a part of it glows in the dark so it's like easier for I guess parents to find it like at night Um and then the other end of the Mixi- Mickey extension set that connects you to the rest of the stuff also glows in the dark yeah I have so. those
0: I have the extenders that glow in the dark which are oh, kind of okay. funny it, it goes away though after I wash it like two or three times and then the glow just kind of disappears
1: it doesn't glow uh, anymore I
0: know <laughs> I know it would be devastating for you Tiffany it loses the shine uh, right <laughs> um sure. So what was that experience like with a different G2? That's something I've never gone mm-hmm. through. I've never used another brand.
2: Um, it was essentially like the same thing. It didn't really feel any different at all. Mm-hmm. So, And then I think because of insurance uh, it got changed back to
0: Mickey yeah gotcha um, yeah I you know personally I love my G2 I can't really talk about it enough I, uh, in, fact, I, actually <laughs> work, I in fact I actually worked at an entire feeding company right out of college uh, for a little while too so I've, I've kind of been in the business you know the business side of it as well as the patient side of it and uh, you know I, I kind of just see it as like a, a separate mouth I can put whatever I want down it you know do you are you still mm-hmm. doing overnight feeds or do you generally stick with bolus feeds um, yeah. and you know for those who are listening you may not know what those are. Bowls feeds are, are generally, you know, uh, quick little snacks that, that people do during the day, uh, where they just kind of use a, a, a syringe and an extender tube, and they kind of just pour it right in. An overnight mm-hmm. feed is generally with a pump, and it pumps over the course of six or seven hours. Those are a lot bigger. Uh, for mm-hmm. most people, it's kind of like a two thousand ml uh, ml feed, so it's definitely a pretty significant thing. Whereas the bowls feeds a lot more small, quick. Like I actually did a bowls feed right before we jumped on here this morning.
1: Oh, look at you. <laughs> um yeah so
2: i was never really into doing the bolus feeds i um i tried it and i it was i'm not patient enough to wait for it to like you know go in um. oh i
0: just jam it right in like if if i'm sitting there for longer than five minutes i've been there too long like i like i just get the syringe and i get aggressive with that thing i like i'm telling you if it's if it's longer than five minutes then it is not a feed for me it is not happening
2: (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know. I just was never into those. I just stick to the overnight um, two feeding, which um, is four cans of the brand Nutrin 1.5. And Uh essentially that is like 1,500 calories and it's like a liter of liquid that um, I program into the pump. It goes over like eight hours, basically, um, and you can set the rate how fast you want it to go in. And um, yeah, you get like 68 grams protein and a whole bunch of other stuff overnight, which is great. because. CF, you know, you expend a lot of calories and energy uh, just to breathe and yep. coughing. Uh-huh. So that's how I kept losing so much weight because I just was burning through calories all the time.
1: Yeah. So how is it different now for uh, after transplant? How is that different from because before transplant, you were coughing and breathing really hard, and now it's a little bit less uh, effort to do that.
2: Yeah, exactly. So after transplant, usually it's a lot easier for people to gain weight because they're not expending all that energy coughing and breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually people are able to gain weight pretty quickly um, mm-hmm. after. But for me, that was not the case. I actually lot well. Initially, when you get your transplant, you're not eating and you yes. lose about ten pounds. So before mm-hmm. transplant, they tell you, you know, gain as much as you can so you have like a cushion. Yeah. Um, so I did that. My sister got me up to a weight I've never weighed before in my life and I probably will <laughs> never get to again. I was like 143, which is unheard of for me. Yeah. Um, and then of course I lost like 10 pounds. And um, yeah, so now post-transplant, I uh, lost a lot more weight and it's it was still hard to uh, gain weight and keep weight on for some reason. Um, so I still use my tube feeding overnight, Mm -hmm. most nights. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's been really helpful. And usually for people post-transplant, if they had a a feeding tube, they can get it out within six months to a year, um, like (laughs) you got yours out. (laughs) (laughs) I was hopeful that I could get mine out pretty quickly, but I still hear, like, what, a year and eight months or so, Mm -hmm. and I still have mine in and still use it. Um, But the last several months, I somehow have been able to maintain my weight, which is for the first time ever, it's great. Uh, hopefully, so I'm really nervous about getting it out. I feel like maybe during my transplant clinic next week, they might bring it up, being like, "Hey, you've been able to keep your weight. Right. Let's talk about getting it out." Um, so, but you
1: still do nightly feeds, so it's yeah. still helping you keep that weight on. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, it's like I the one thing I will say about the G-tube is it's kind of like an evolving science. Like, it's an yeah. it's it's, a, it's an amazing thing to go from a rare disease where there's only like 30,000 people in the U.S. with CF mm-hmm. to all of a sudden you have like a mainstream illness. You know, G-tubes are yeah. used by hundreds of thousands of people, you know, people like stroke Absolutely. victims, you know, uh, people like uh, people who are dealing with, uh, you know, physical disabilities or people who can't mm-hmm. swallow. There's, I mean, there's, there's so many different reasons people have G-tubes. And it's almost like you're now involved in a community that th- things change every 2 to 3 months like there's new formulas yeah. there's new G2 products mm-hmm. um and it's always a hell of a thing to, to do that, to be experienced, to like, oh, this is what the general population feels like when they have heart illness or something. Like, there's a new, yeah. there's a new medication out every month. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, here in CF, we're waiting every year, you know, every however many years for something. Um, and like, you know, the thing that I've been following a lot lately with my G-Tube is there's, there's this kind of thought in the G-Tube team, there's this science around it, saying that maybe overnight feeds aren't actually the way to go. It's more maybe... A number of different bolus feeds or small feeds mm-hmm. throughout the day because I think the way the human body is supposed to act is that our GI tract rests overnight, right? Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not meant to be digesting and working overnight. And yeah. kind of like, you know, I, I noticed that when I, you know, I'm doing my G2 feed four or five, six nights a week, and I wake up in the morning and I like, I really just. I have a hard time eating throughout the rest of the day because I'm just so, I'm not necessarily full, but like my body just feels tired from, from digesting. And, Uh, you know, there's kind of like this, this feeling out there that maybe it's, it's time that we, you know, reevaluate some things, maybe do a bigger feed right in the morning in place of breakfast, like double the size of breakfast. And then right Mm -hmm. before you go to bed so that your, your body is resting overnight. And that's kind of something I have been thinking about doing, but I also have to convince myself that. You know, is it really worth it to change the routine that has worked so well for me? Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I've learned with the G2 feeds is the sugar aspect of it too, right? You know, mm-hmm. CFRD is a big problem for a lot of people with CF. Um, and a lot of these, a lot of the the, uh, the formulas do find their calories inside the sugar. Like that's something that mm-hmm. I'm super aware of. Um, and for me, if I get, you know, if I'm totally inundated with sugar, I mean, like the, the single like nutrient is an amazing weight gainer but like it's just like it it's got like double twice the amount of sugar as like a, a can of soda so you know mm-hmm. I, I i'm always trying to balance and i feel like i'm doing some mental math like throughout the entire day like okay where's my <laughs> sugar where's my protein where's my carbs um and those are like just kind of things that i'm like always being aware of and it, it, it like i it's, it's the kind of thing where like, I'm not afraid to ask for help from other people who have feeding tubes because they all, you know, kind of feel these same things, right? Like whether or not you have CF, if you have a feeding tube for some other reason, you know, sugar is going to affect you one way or the other. Or, you know, your ability to digest something is going to affect you one way or the other, um, but now there's also like you talked about it a little bit before right, the social aspect of the 2, like the appearance of it, and and stuff like that. You know, I want to know, you know, has it ever has the appearance of the 2 ever like created like a weird situation for you, like whether you like when you're dating or like whether like you're out like at the beach or something like that. Um, you know, I remember one specifically. I think I was told this story a little while ago. Mm-hmm. I uh, I like really like this girl in college. And, you know, I was like kind of trying to, I was like interested in her. I was like, you know, hoping she was interested in me kind of thing. You know, we knew each other for a couple weeks and finally like push came to shove and it was like, all right, now we're on a date. Now we're hanging out and like, you know, next thing you know, my shirt's off and <laughs> there's my feeding tube. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, by the way. And then to make matters worse, like the feeding tube started leaking. It started leaking on her. It was leaking on me. And it was like, it was such a disaster for everyone involved. <laughs> everyone involved, me and her. And like... I was like oh my god what do I do you know is this like something that like I need to like apologize for is it something that like I should feel embarrassed for I'm embarrassed for her to be involved in this like I did this to her and she, she took like a chance she's like it's not a problem And we ended up dating for a while so it oh we were able to get past it obviously but um I want to know if anything like that not not maybe not to that extent has happened but like you know is there you know what about the social side of the, of the feeding tube
2: Uh, Yeah, that's a really good point, because a lot of people are very, very self-conscious about it, and I know that some people are very, like, I guess they could say ashamed of it, and very embarrassed, and no one, you know, they don't want to go to the beach, they don't want to, you know, that kind of stuff, and show it off, or even post it on social media, and uh, yeah, for the first couple years, I was like, oh... It's summer and I want to go to the beach uh, and I don't want to wear a shirt. You know, I want to go in the water and so I did have to get over it pretty quickly. Um, and of course, people are gonna stare, people are gonna look, but I and people actually come up and ask me sometimes. And usually, people just think it's something to do with diabetes. They think it's like has to, like an insulin pump kind of thing. And I'm like, no, that's not really the spot for it. And yeah. it looks different, but anyway, sure. I was like, no, actually, this is what it is, and I explain it to them and. You know, so now I look at it as a chance to, you know, spread awareness about CF because it is not a very common disease that everyone knows about. Um, So they're like, wow, I've never heard of it. Or you'll get people that are like, actually, my nephew or my niece or, you know, my friend has it. Or Mm -hmm. a lot of the time they say, oh, they passed away. Um, It's actually very common for me to hear. I was like, oh,
0: you know. Yeah, I hear that a lot too. Like, oh, thanks for telling me that someone you knew died. Like, exactly. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Um, but I, that's, I think it's also like kind of this thing where like someone just, they don't know what to say. You know, they're, right. there's, yeah. they have that's, no idea what to say. They have no idea how to approach it. And that's their then, only connection Exactly. To and it, then it comes so. out like in a really awkward way. Um right. So yeah I, I <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. But yeah, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I mean, is there, you know, was there, a, is there like a particular moment that like shines out where, you know, you were in a weird situation with the G-Tube? Like, is it? Did, did it ever make something uh, more annoying or stressful for you? I mean, I have to imagine now you've had it for twelve years. Now it's kind of like no big deal. Um, right. And you know, I had my place when I was in college, so it was kind of those not really the formative years, but some of the years when you were developing as a person and your, your personality was sort of being shaped around you know some of the, some of the challenges that you have in life.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I've gotten so used to it that I really don't care uh, wearing my bathing suit out or like you know in college. It's like spring weekend, people are running out in their bathing suits because it's nice and stuff like that. So, and you know, people in college all got used, you know, they knew I had CF, I wasn't like shy about it. You know, if people asked me, I said it and like, I didn't care, obviously, I was the one person that was always coughing and people knew why. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, YouTube came with it too. Yeah. Um, but I guess with like um, dating, I would, I guess one thing I usually say is like, oh, by the way, I have this. And, you know, nobody's ever cared.
0: Uh So that's
2: nice that people, I mean, not like maybe they cared and just didn't say anything, but, you know, they kept that to themselves. Um, But crap, where was I going with this?
1: Um, um, Was there anything that like happened or is it just like with dating or anything? Okay. So, yeah, um,
2: my G-tube. I don't know this probably does
1: happen to a lot of people
2: it like you said, it leaks um like around the sides, so when I would uh you know in college go out to the bar or just out to dinner and I would drink water or beer or wine or whatever, it would come out mm-hmm. and stain my shirt like it was like my wet my shirt got wet. it was oh. like really annoying, and um I was like, what the hell so of course now I have this like wet spot on my shirt um that was if it was wine, it would be red.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's so weird That's bizarre it that, like so it would so actually that color
2: yeah for a oh, uh, certain eyes. time it was just like it would just always come out every time i drank liquids and it was really annoying so i'm like maybe because it was you know there's a balloon that keeps the g-tube in from coming out So i was like maybe there's not enough um liquid on the other side to keep it in so it was loose but that I don't know what was going on. I think it was when I lost a lot of weight. It just become very loose regardless of what I did. Yeah. So it was just something that would happen a lot. And, um, you know, they give you like these split gauze pads to put around to help with that. But it would it would get so soaked through immediately and it did nothing. Um, mm-hmm. So that was always fun, you know. And yeah. it help when it was like really raw. Um, after a while, because it kept happening, and like, stomach uh-huh. uh, like acid burns. It is not very good. That,
0: cool. is, that is the one annoying side of it. Like, occasionally, like, I'll find that, like, the, the reflux valve inside the, like, so the reflux valve is, like, basically what prevents your stomach contents from spilling out <laughs> while, yeah, yeah. while you have the tube in. And occasionally, it'll break. And, uh, you know, For me, like I try to keep my tubes as long as I can. I push it to the limit before swapping it out. Swapping it out is super easy, but um, I, I do try to keep them as long as I can before swapping them. And occasionally, the, the, the reflux valve will break, and you'll get some of that stomach acid or some of that grossness around, uh, around the feeding tube. It's funny you bring it up, like being at a party and having it noticed. I remember one time in college, also another college story, I was uh, – the girl that I had previously been dating was no longer – in, in the picture so I was at a party and uh, I was I remember sitting like I was like oh, whatever, we're playing beer pong or whatever and I was standing on the wall watching my friends play I probably just lost and uh, a girl walks up to me and it's like a super cute girl so I'm like okay what's going on here and she like grabs my stomach and I'm like okay is oh, this is no. weird she grabs my feeding tube oh, and she's like yeah. she's like what is this I'm like, what do you mean, what is this? And she's like, oh, I'm pre-med. I'm, you have something wrong with you. And I'm like, I have oh, something oh wrong with gosh. me. And, and I was like, I had surgery, you know, like a year or two ago. It's, I have a feeding tube. And she's like, oh, wow, I'm going to be a doctor one day. And then she walked away. And I was like, this Not- is the craziest thing that's ever happened to me.
2: That is crazy. And, like, I
0: look over and my friends, like, watched this all happen. And they all know yeah. that I had to see it. They're my roommates, whatever. Great. And they're like... They're like they just their jaws are so low they 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 are hitting the floor. That's how like that's how wide open their mouths are. And to this day, like we still call that girl the pre med girl. And the story will come up every once in a while. They'll be like, remember the pre med girl that one time at that party in college? And I'm like, Yeah, it was the worst moment of my life because it validated every single one of my body image issues in the middle of a party in college. And that was probably the worst thing that's happened to me with my feet and do, I think. Um, but on the the you know, positive side, it's been a very good thing for me. Uh, you know, it hasn't been something that's, you know, been a hindrance to life. So, Tiffany, now I want to ask yeah. you. You are the only one here yeah. that's had a nasal gastric tube, the NG yeah. tube. Yeah. What you haven't had one, Rima, have you? No. Yeah. No. What is that like?
1: It's it's bad. <laughs> so I have like a really bad gag reflux, and anything that goes up my nose down my throat, I'm. I'm not about that life. Um, for pre-transplant to get evaluated, to get on the list, you have to do a um,
2: mm-hmm. an
1: endoscope or the esophagus like mimometry. So they put a big tube. It's way bigger than the in in NG N- tube, but they put it through your nose and down your esophagus and it stops there. So you're like gagging because you have to get used to it. Your esophagus has to get used to it. And oh. you have to swallow water and it just makes sure your esophagus can handle the pressures and stuff. So I hated that. It was the worst thing ever. (laughs) So fast forward to post transplant when I had to get a in G tube, um, they were like, okay, we have to put it up your nose. And I was like, what? are you going to do (laughs) to me? I don't like that. So, and I had anxiety because of the medication and being post transplant. It's a lot going on in your mind and your body. So, um, it was a little hard. So what they do is they take a, um, tube and they put a wire through and they stick this sensor on your stomach area. And, that kind of helps them guide it so they can see it on the TV to see where it's going. So they put it on my nose. And of course I start gagging and I'm like, what are you doing to me? Stop. <laughs> but they keep going cause they're not going to stop. They're like, you need this. And I kind of got to a realization, I need to do this and I don't want them to have to do it five times. So let's get it done. And I kind of calm myself down. Once it was past that gagging reflex and they go down, and it's kind of cool. You can see like the sensor going down and it kind of goes in your stomach. And I have a herniated stomach. So them guiding it was just hard. And it took them probably like four times to get oh. it because they needed to oh. get it at a certain point. It had to get to um, one part of the stomach in order to get all that stuff through my digestive system and all that stuff so i just got fed up and was like just get it done and just cut me open and give to... me a g-tube yeah so <laughs> they um they even had to call like the top feeding tube oh, technician <laughs>
0: <laughs> <The> tube <laughs> technician yeah <laughs> because imagine that's so being your fast. scale
1: Triple care i forget what person is i just call them the feeding tube technician because they were good at what they did
0: you're the future so, czar
1: yeah so they finally got it it was cool I had it for 20 days we had to at one point I felt it coming out and I had no voice so I couldn't even like tell them really so it was coming out oh, and I saw it kind of like going and going <laughs> just randomly and then it got to my throat and I start like choking on it. Oh, so the nurse no. is like, okay, we're pulling it. So they had to pull it. And then I thought, I was like, okay, so I don't need it anymore. Cool. You know what I mean? I was like, yay, I can actually feel good right now. No, they called the technician right away and oh, did man. it again. Oh. <laughs> it was so bad. I was like, can I just have like a few minutes, please? <laughs> so they did that. And then I wasn't gaining adamant weight. I was still very um thin. I think I lost I think it was eighty pounds when I left the hospital. And
0: you lost eighty pounds?
1: No, yeah, no, I was eighty pounds oh. when I left the hospital. But I lost like
0: twenty.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um so when the N G tube was just getting annoying for me. I could feel it. I hated feeling the medicine going down or the, the two, well, they had to push all my meds through cause I couldn't swallow. So I could feel it going down. Like it was, it was very uncomfortable. And I told them, I like have to tell them to slow down because I could feel it. So they kind of were like, after 20 days, let's do, we're going to need to do a GJ tube, which is, um, which is part of your intestines. So it would go in the stomach, and then there was another port that would go to the jejunum, in your intestines. So I had that surgery, and I had it was really weird. So I had chest tubes <laughs> still in, and um, <coughs> where the G GJ tube was going, there was a um, a chest tube right next to it.
2: Oh my God. So they were
1: like, wait, how are we going to do this? There's a chest tube right there. You know, so they had to lift the chest tube and then go through. It was, oh. I was, you know, I was sedated. I, I was half awake, half asleep.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I could feel it. And they're like, okay, so you can feel that. Let's <laughs> give you more uh, numbing here. Um, Light again. So, um, they finally got it done and I was in bed for like two days. I could not walk. I couldn't do anything. My doctor came in and was like, How are you doing? And I was like, That hurt. <laughs> I can't move. This has that. been the worst I,
0: experience I, of my life. <laughs> I understand.
1: Yeah, right. So, um, I got it and it actually helped a lot. I will say, I'm not a I'm not a feeding to person that's for sure I was always against it when I was pre-transplant because I told them I could I could do it and I showed them that I could gain my weight and keep it so um I had it for I want to say three months sorry four months and then I had my pneumothorax and they realized that I was at my pre transplant weight when that happened and they're like okay we're gonna stop feeds for a month and see if you can maintain or gain weight by yourself so i went in the hospital and had all that surgery done and i kept my weight and i gained a little bit and they're like okay you're done you don't need it anymore so the day came that it came out and it's weird when it comes out because they have to deflate the balloon right and then they pull it and it's kind of like a weird sensation because the balloon, even though it's um, deflated, it's still bigger than
0: the hole. Yeah, but you're so talking about, so you're talking about the, like, the blocker on the actual peg, though. Yeah. Not, not yeah. like the Mickey. The Mickey is different, where the Mickey just kind of slides right out. The one you're talking about, kind of right. got to no, get this one's
1: got a long yeah. tube in it. Yeah. It's long. It's not the Mickey. Yeah. This one's the, the one with the long tube outside of it. I did not have a Mickey because I didn't have it very long. So um, they deflated the balloon and then. They pull it out and it's bigger like, than the hole. Yeah, it is
0: super weird. Like I pops. Think.
1: It's like yeah. a li- like pressure. So yeah. it's really weird. And then they take the whole tube out and it was long. I was really surprised how long it was. It was probably well, it was probably a foot at least. That's because it was, was going
0: th- to the jet to the jejunum, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was going there too. Yeah. So it was a really great experience.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds like it was horrendous. Um, that I don't envy you. Uh, so, uh, and that's feeding tube awareness for you people. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> no, it I, did help. I
2: did gain weight, so that's, that, that's all that matters.
0: I, I always say it's not for everyone because it's, yeah. it's definitely a bit of a lifestyle change. Um, but for me, I consider it to be probably the easiest part of my CF care. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's really not like a challenge and a lot of the stuff is like a one-time use stuff so you know as soon as you're done with it you just throw it out and then the syringes and the extenders you just you clean like soap and water it's not they don't have to be sterilized like the rest yeah. of our nebs do so um yeah. i mean the learning curve is definitely steep and it, it definitely has bit a lifestyle change initially uh you know for the first month or so but as soon as you get past that period it's super easy um yeah. And you know, I I I make shakes and I make smoothies and stuff like that, and I just yeah, shoot it right down. Um,
2: <laughs> do you change your G tube yourself?
0: Do I what? Do you change
2: your own G tube?
0: Um, I know how. I um, I have, but I usually uh have someone do it with me, just so I don't make a mess. I, you know what I because I get grossed out by like the smell of it is kind of gross, but also like when like the, the stomach acid kind of like bubbles out. Like I
1: don't,
0: Ew. I don't like oh. it. Oh, uh, wait, yeah. How, I,
1: how often do you have to change it?
2: Um. Three months is the what they recommend, but I mean you can go over that. But
0: um, I usually push it to about six.
2: Yeah, just about. Um, have you ever had yours like Fall out. Balloon pop and you it's fallen out yet? Yeah,
0: so that that's happened to me once. I. Um... Ever, when I first got the G tube, I, I didn't know that the G tube only lasts for three to six months. Like I thought it the the get like I had a lot of crazy conversations when I came out. Like my GI doctor was like saying, "Oh, you don't need to do overnight feeds; just do bolus feeds during the day. It'll be better." Like he's a big believer in the like the non overnight feeding. You know, he sure. said he, so that he was kind of like trying to convince me of that. My CF doctor was saying, "No, you need to do the overnight feeds." My Nutritionist was saying, "You need to do the overnight feeds." I had a nurse in the recovery room tell me I could throw beer down my feeding tube, which I <laughs> put to the test a few months later. Um, and uh, But like the one instruction I was get was like, oh, just make your feeding tube last as long as you can before you change it. So that was said to me. So I had it. I got it put down in May. And then probably like October-ish, so really six months later, I uh, woke up one night and I or woke up in the morning and I noticed I was like covered in like the feeding tube formula which for the first year that happens like it just comes disconnected or whatever like you, you don't really right. know how it works um yeah. but that wasn't the problem I just I looked over at my G2 was sitting right next to me on the bed and I was like oh. you've got to be kidding me that that just happened yeah, and crazy. I'd be like oh god, <clears close."> so <laughs> yeah. I so I tried to make the best of it I, I had a squeamish roommate so I was like oh my god guys come help, come out And I'm standing up in my room and they all run in and I'm like guys look at this hole in my stomach and one of my friends just <laughs> passes out oh no it <laughs> immediately faints and I like, I'm like right, what do I do with the g 2 so I just like stuck it in like, I didn't even use any lubricant or whatever. I just stuck it right in the hole and I like called my sister my sister went to Boston College with me too and okay. we were like I was like Sydney we gotta go to the emergency room like, we're going right down to Boston Children's because they never taught me how to change it mm-hmm. so like, that was the other thing that happened when I had it placed like, they never taught me how to change it myself so I was like okay let's go to the emergency room and, like, I got down there, and I was like, guys, I just need you to, like, fix this G-tube for me. And they did it in two yeah. seconds, and we left. It was, like, the most pointless oh. trip to emergency room ever. Oh. But, uh, yes, my G-tube has fallen out before.
1: <laughs> That's crazy.
0: Has, you, has yours fallen out?
1: Um, Yeah, like,
2: twice. Um, I think it, like, came out when I coughed really hard, and I was like, oh, oh crap. I was like, what do I do? So I just stuck it back in there, and I just taped it on until I was able to get um, another one. But I always change the G-tubes myself. I think the first few I didn't because obviously it was so new. I didn't know how to do it. Uh Um, But I changed mine myself.
0: Um, It is super easy. It's really easy.
2: Oh, it's so easy. Um, Actually, no. A few times in the last two years, it has actually gotten more difficult to put in and out. It's actually very painful. Um, Oh, wow. Really? Really? Yeah, I've actually had to go to, like, into the hospital and have them, like, take it out because I thought I was going to rip something because oh. it was that bad. Um, it was wow. weird. And I was thought that I needed, like, I forget what it was, either get the, I guess, the gauge, like, bigger. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be painful because because I had lost weight and it was really loose around it. So I'm like, crap, I need a bigger one. And this is going to be painful. So I think they put in a higher gauge, and. a I think they put some numbing stuff on it, but it wasn't too terrible, but Mm. it it also came out in the hospital once a couple of years ago and I just had to like tape it on there or no, I use that like coflex band stuff or whatever it's called Uh because they, they didn't have any like immediately on the floor. They had to like search for
0: that's probably in the hospital. They never have the right kind. Like they always have like a different size. I try to keep mine as small as possible um just so that like when i for that reason like when i pull it out it just pops right out and then usually when i do put it like put it in it's, it's weird like it like it's like sucked in like you kind of like mm-hmm. stick it in there and then all of a sudden just like kind of like gets sucked right into your stomach like, it's oh, really weird. it is a super weird feeling um weird. it like it definitely uh, it doesn't hurt when i do it not going when it mm-hmm. stays that way but it definitely feels yeah. like super weird like it's not it's, weird. it's not something that like feels natural at all um but yeah really? i mean i I do like when someone helps me just so I can like I don't have to deal with the grossness. I'm I get I'm very easily grossed out. Which is, I know which I know is hard for someone with C F, but I uh I I definitely get like super grossed out. Like I have a problem like with people like chewing with their mouth open kind of thing.
1: Uh,
0: like I can't like, I cannot stand it. And, and you have
1: a mucus cup.
0: So. I know, I know. It's it's a bad thing. It's a really bad thing. It's something you need <laughs> to work on. Um all right, so we're just about out of time here, uh, Rima. We always give the guest the last word. Um, we talked about it a lot, so um, you can say whatever you want here. Uh, you know, do you have any advice for people uh, who are moving CF clinics, who are going through transplant, or getting a G tube? You can talk about anything. The world is your oyster, and you have a few minutes ready to go.
2: Um, okay, so I guess I would tell people um, that are thinking about or being talked to about getting a g-tube that um it it absolutely is like the best decision i've ever made because i depend on it and without it i wouldn't have gotten very far because you know um lung infections are easier to beat and um when your weight is up and if you're underweight you're just going to keep getting sick and sick and it's going to be harder to fight off infection um so it definitely was a very good decision on my part Um, and then you don't have to worry about shoving you know certain amount of calories in during the day um but people are still like really hesitant about doing it I'm like forget the self-image thing you know if this is going to help keep you alive do it who cares what anyone else thinks like they can you know just think about it and just you know just ignore it just ignore all the bad negativity that people tell you I mean bullying is a thing and people in like you know middle school and elementary school and high school like bullies you know aren't very nice, you know, they will make fun of you and take you down with like certain things and medical things are often very, very sensitive. So, um, I mean, I know it's going to be harder for younger kids to deal with, especially in like high school and college, but definitely do it. It's the best.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're definitely right. Um, you know, people are going to find reasons to be idiots. at all walks of life. It's all about, you know, developing some mental fortitude and be able to block those kinds of things out. Um, and, you know, really kind of controlling your own narrative in life. You know, I, uh, I think it's important to really, you know, be able to effectively communicate what you're dealing with and what you're, you know, what you're using. And, you know, when you're coming across, you know, people like that in life, uh, you know, I think I was fortunate enough not to have too much of a problem with it. But, um, you know, you play, I play sports and you go to different schools and you're getting heckled by crowds and stuff like that. So, you know, I was definitely, I heard everything. Um, and, you know, it's, it's all about being able to block it out and understand what you're, what you're trying to do what you're trying to achieve and, and you have to remember your friends are always in your corner so that's really good advice i uh, appreciate it um mm-hmm. rima thank you for joining the podcast today um, this has been a great episode uh glad to hear you are doing well i hope your voice gets better yeah i'd say <laughs> it my voice is my voice has progressively gotten worse throughout the course of this podcast um mm-hmm. so uh we'll be back next week people yep. can find us on itunes soundcloud youtube and gunner if you're on itunes mm-hmm. remember to like No, subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe, rate, and review. Yeah, subscribe, rate, and review. It's been a a while. It's been a while. Five stars. Yeah. Uh, You can also follow us on uh, Instagram at Breathe underscore in underscore pod. That's also our email address too. Breathe underscore in underscore pod at assize.org. Rema, where can people find you? Uh,
2: You can find me on Instagram. uh, Long story short, there's like a underscore. So it's long underscore short. Sorry, long story short. Yeah. Underscore in between each word. So, yeah. I'm on Instagram. I have a Twitter, but I like don't use it and then Facebook, I guess. But mostly Instagram, I'd say. Yeah.
0: All right, cool. So that's where they can find. And hurry. I have
2: like a blog too, but I haven't written it in it for a while.
0: Maybe maybe that's maybe that's your new year's resolution. You still have time to do that. It's, it's February. Maybe. The year is the year is young. Yeah. Um All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, and we will see everyone next week.
1: Bye. Bye.